What up, hi, my fam? Taco Dave, I'm here with the man, Jim Microphone. How you guys doing tonight? Awesome. A lot of fun. Just putting in, uh, I had to run down the row real quick there to get my uh, AirPods in. Hopefully they, they change over. Sorry. Say something. Can you hear me? I got you. I got you. All right, cool. Yeah, we're rocking and rolling here. So, dude, finally a win. They finally won. <laughs> right? And it was a fun game too, man. Like, I didn't get the sense that they were going to, you know, blow it at any point. The second period was a little bit uh, like shaky, you know, where I think the Flyers were at one point in the first, they were up like 10 in shots. And I think at the end of the second, the Caps led like 20 to 18. So it was kind of like, oh man, you know, the ice has to tilt back the other end at some point. But dude, hard fought game, a uh, tough team in the Capitals. Uh, Rasmus was the line I was very impressed with. Uh, even a guy like, like Patrick Brown. At the end of that game, blocking shots, Scott Walton laying out blocking shots. This is as close as the Flyers are going to get to a playoff game this year, uh, like with the intensity and whatnot. Even the crowd, the crowd was into it tonight. It was uh, almost, it looked like a packed house. It's packed house by Flyer standards. Dude, just all around fun game tonight. I'm, I'm glad they came away with two points. They deserved it. It's, it's games like this that like give you hope. Like this, like, you know what I mean? Like, we're always down in the dumps lately. You, you, then you go ahead and you beat the Caps, a team that's fighting for a playoff spot. They're in the top wild card spot right now. Like, they're trying to climb the standings, you know what I mean? And we go ahead and, and, and we, we battle with them for full 60 minutes. It, it, it was a hard, you said hard-fought game. We went blow for blow with them every single time, and, and we pulled it out. And at the end of this game, we're like, ah, you know what? I mean, maybe it's not all doom and gloom. Maybe there is a little positivity here. Maybe we might have some people here that can stick around. I'm telling you, man, if, if they can just uh, – and I'm by no means, um, you know, saying that Mike Yo is, is the guy heading into next year or whatnot. The team's playing well. You know, if, if they can figure it out with the, with the coaching and whatnot and, uh, you know, get some healthy bodies back next season, I'm telling you, like, there, there's a foundation here. And it's, it's going to sound weird, but they're building something positive right now. The, the way that this team's playing – is different than it was a month ago. You know what I mean? Whereas a month ago, it kind of just looked like, you know, they were they were going out there just because they had to go out there. Now they're playing with a purpose, and they're developing an identity a little bit, I think, as, as crazy as that is to say, right? And so I, it's always kind of like, you know, you might not have as much skill as the other team, but there's no excuse to be outworked. You can always work harder than the other team. And, you know, they, they've been working hard the last couple weeks, and tonight they were finally rewarded for their hard work. So proud of the guys, and uh, they, they earned the victory tonight. No, I agree. The last few weeks, the results haven't been there, but the effort has, which, which is key. Like, you, you don't want to see a team just giving up or bending or wilting, you know, at, at any shot, at, at any, you know, point of adversity you, know, you want to see them battle for that you want to see them flow through that and, and that's key because you don't want to see this franchise become this franchise where losing becomes acceptable so I, I like this team still has the attitude that you know the point of the game is to win the game you want to play to win that, that's what you're supposed to be doing doesn't matter what the standings are doesn't matter you know what the offseason looks like the guys want out there to win and that's the kind of culture you want and that's something I like to see I, I was happy about that that these guys showed up they played they've been doing it despite the losses piling up. They still show up. They still show up to play. They just beat a good team, a division rival, and, and it was a hard-fought win. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, this was uh, – you know, they were, they've been playing this way for the last couple weeks. They just 
you know, whatever you want to call it, I'm going to say they were unlucky. They were unable to come away with two points. They had a, a couple games there where they, you know, they went to overtime and they only got the one, but the one point kind of felt empty because they were leading late. You know, whereas tonight they played hard from start to finish. Like I said, it was as close as a playoff game as we're going to see. And if they play like that most nights, they're going to get two points, which is encouraging. Yeah, absolutely. That's what you like to say. It's good to have some positive news. And we uh, we have our very special guest who just got on here who's going to share some more positive news from the Flyers organization. Senior VP of Business Operations, Executive Director of Flyers Charities, Ms. Cindy Stutman. Cindy, how you doing? Thanks for joining us. Hi, guys. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay, great. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for hanging out with us. We really appreciate it. So, uh, you know, we had a big win today, which is, you know, what everybody saw. But there was some huge news earlier today um, as far as Flyers charities go. Um, do you want to tell us about what went on this morning and the announcement you guys made? Yeah, definitely. We had a few big wins today, actually, <laughs> um, on the ice and off the ice. And and before the game today, we announced uh, with Snyder Hockey, who's been a longtime partner of ours, uh, Flyers Charities made a $400,000 donation to Flyers, to uh, Snyder Hockey, rather, that they are going to match. And together, we are going to build um, an outdoor street hockey rink outside of the Scanlon Recreation Center and Recreation Rink in Kensington. And it's going to be a great way for Snyder Hockey to expand their programming, get more kids in the neighborhood involved in hockey and serve as a gateway to get them on the ice. That's incredible. That's a good announcement right there. And it's a great way to reach out to the community. Like you said, get get players and get kids out on the ice. It, it, it's such hockey's one of those sports that it's not easy for somebody just to pick up. Football and basketball, you just go grab a ball, go down to your local, you know, park, and you go ahead and you can play. When it comes to hockey, you gotta find certain areas, certain environments, certain facilities to make it happen. So things like that, outdoor hockey rings, that's such a huge impact, I think, on the in the environment, the hockey environment, and, and you know, how to grow the game at, at the grassroots level. For sure. And and at Flyers Charities, that's one of our three main pillars is to grow the game. And it's really important to us. Like you said, not everyone has the access or the means to to get involved in hockey. And what we really want to do is um, really exemplify that hockey's for everyone and, and create resources and create avenues for kids to play, to get sticks in hands and, and for people to experience our great game. And Snyder Hockey does, does that and so much more with life skills and scholarship opportunities and, and so many things that, that helps kids along the way. And this is just, this is a win for everybody, especially um, the kids in Kensington. Cindy, if I can ask you for, um, for those who maybe don't have a full grasp of exactly, you know, what Flyers Charities is, what would you say to, if someone was to ask you, what exactly is Flyers Charities? So we are um, the fundraising arm of the Flyers that are, we're focused on three main pillars. So we fundraise to give in three areas. One, like I just mentioned, is, is growing the game to uh, diversify participants and to diversify audiences of hockey. Um, the second is really the founding principle of what Flyers Charities was um, created for, which is to support families that have been impacted by cancer. And third is sustainability and environmental responsibility. So we're working on some some things there. That's a new area for us. And we're going to have a, a couple big announcements 
uh, I think coming up this spring. But today we, we did announce that the Gritty 5K, which we do every fall, will now be a no waste to landfill event. So so getting on the right track there environmentally. Okay. And if I could just add to like uh, everything we do wouldn't be possible without the support of Flyers fans. So when we when you buy a 50-50 ticket at the games, when you go on to um, bid on our auctions, we have our favorite things, players' favorite things, baskets up there now, including some some other Flyers personalities. So anytime you spend any any money with Flyers charities, it goes towards great things like today's announcement. And I just learned that today was the first ever Flyers charity game. It is, and it, it came to us sort of in a, in a not great way because we weren't able to do the carnival this year because of uh, league restrictions due to COVID. So we were trying to find a way to, to bring a little bit of the fun of the carnival um, still within the rules. So we created Flyers Charities Day to do that. And it was a, a really big success fundraising wise. And to be able to, to announce this partnership with Snyder Hockey for this rink was just icing on the cake. It's outstanding. Awesome. Now, Cindy, now you mentioned that this charity game came about because you could do the carnival. Is this something you would continue going forward, though, even in addition to the carnival in when seasons get back to normal? Is this something in the future plans that you're going to keep going? It's almost like you were listening to our conversations today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that we we sort of stumbled on it. Um, in a, it was a happy accident today that we, we talked about how we can – we can sort of um, evolve this in conjunction with the carnival and, and maybe it's a carnival kickoff or maybe it's just another uh, date in the year, but we're, we're gonna find a way to, to make sure we do it again because it was a really great way for us to tell the story of Flyers Charities too and, and highlight some of the organizations we've been able to, to impact in a big way. Oh, that's fantastic. So, so what are some of those organizations specifically, Cindy? Like, who who is Flyers Charities worked with? What are some of the programs that are going? Just, just a broad scape. Like, who have you been dealing with? So, actually, just this week, we had another big announcement. Earlier this week, um, <clears throat> we announced that we are the first NHL team to partner with the United Negro College Fund, and we committed forty thousand dollars in scholarships over the next four years um, in creating a, a Flyers Leadership Award. So that was a really big one for us. We've partnered with um, the HEAL program, which is part of the American Cancer Society this year. They were a great partner. Um, the Gritty 5K in the fall. Uh, we just made a gift actually also this week um, in celebration of Pride Night to You Can Play, which um, Scott Lawton personally met. So we've had a lot of, a lot of fun this year and a lot of um, ways we've really been able to, to give back. That's an understatement. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, so this week, uh, Flyers Charities had some major announcements, uh, and one being the, the Flyers Rising Leadership Scholarship uh, was launched. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that's what I was just talking about with the United oh, Negro College Fund. I think I may have not gotten the name exactly right, so thank you for saying it correctly. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly, exactly that's exactly. Um, what that was and and to partner and be the first NHL team to do that during Black History Month was something we're really proud of. Awesome, you should be, that's great. Yeah, we love getting some positive news out here uh, about <laughs> the Flyers throughout this season. This is something when, uh, when we were setting this up, I wanted to get as much positivity out there as possible. 
So anything else you got coming up specifically for this season? Any other, uh, like you said, yeah, this is the first charity game, but anything specifically coming up or programs or announcements you have coming up specifically, you know, in you know, uh, the short term? Yes, but I'm I'm not sure that I'm ready to share them all yet. So I'll leave you in a little <laughs> bit of suspense. Um, but we're we're hoping to do another um, new event this spring, which I think will be um, pretty well received. It'll be a lot of fun, and we have a, a big environmental um, and sustainability announcement coming too with another big partnership. So a lot of good things coming, and and like I said, is with the collaboration from Flyers fans, it makes it all possible. So. Um, encouraging people to continue to participate. Our auction is is live <clears throat> through Tuesday evening, so they can check through our Flyers Charities social pages to, to get the link to that auction. There's a lot of really good stuff on there. Can, uh, can you elaborate on that, Cindy, about what's some of that stuff that's out there? Like, what can people uh, participate in the auction? Like, what, what's out there for them to, you know, put their money on? <laughs> the, the biggest things right now are those Flyers Favorite Things baskets. So, um, all the players have baskets of all of their favorite things, some autographed items, some some really cool things that are personal to them. Um, in addition, there's baskets from Lauren Hart, from Lou Nolan, from um, Coatsy and Tim Saunders have their own. So, you know, that one's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, our broadcasters at, and friends at NBC Sports Philadelphia have one. We even have one from Ivan Provorov's dog. Drake has his own basket. <laughs> so we had a lot of fun. There's um, a meet and greet with Eric Lindros along with some tickets to an upcoming game. Some really, really good, cool stuff. Oh, that's awesome, Cindy. Lauren Hart's fantastic. We actually had her, her on the show, uh, I think a few nights ago. She was on it. She was one of our first guests when we launched HW. Really? Yeah, and she was an absolute blast to have on and talk about. So I'm sure her basket's fantastic. Yeah, they, they all really put so much thought into them. And there's a lot of things in these baskets that you can't buy anywhere. I mean, I think Lou Nolan had something from the opening of the arena. Just some really cool one-of-a-kind things you won't be able to get anywhere else. So this was this was a really good way to for him to, to utilize that, right, to, to make some money for some good causes. I have to make sure I keep an eye out for these. It sounds like there's some good baskets, man. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Check them out. We, we should model it for age, for high and wide hockey too. We should put some high and wide hockey baskets together. For- <laughs> Guess what? I don't know we'll how take good them. those baskets would be. <laughs> we'll take them. <laughs> I'll put like our first mic in there. No, no, it's not as cool as Lou Nolan's basket. That's for sure. Oh. What else we got? Anything else, Dave? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I, I guess I'm just happy to have Cindy on. Like I said, uh, I think we covered just about all the stuff that uh, our flyer charities, charities are doing currently. And uh, we touched on stuff in the future, even though Cindy was kind of, you know, hush hush about it. Uh, <laughs> we tried, though. We did try. Yeah, we, I, have to, I have to build some suspense, you guys. <laughs> uh, no, I, I completely understand. You know, um, like I said, we wanted to get some positivity out there. I think Cindy really brought it for us. And uh, we really appreciate that. Um, so uh, Cindy, honestly, uh, the floor is yours. Uh, what, anything you want to promote, talk about, discuss, I know you've been with the organization for, uh, 20 years or so, I believe, um, any personal stories, anything you can share with us that you think the fans might appreciate or enjoy? Uh, yeah, I've, I've been here a very long time. <laughs> I've been here, uh, actually next week will be 23 years. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, so a long time. <laughs> with, the, with Comcast Spectacore and, and 18 or 19 with the Flyers specifically. So I've, I've seen a lot. I've been through a lot. You know, some really cool, you know, outdoor games and the cup playoff run in 2010 and even the one where we almost got there in 03, 04. Some really, really good times. And I can tell you that there's there's a lot more coming. We're all sort of committed to um, to really keeping the legacy of Mr. Snyder going. And I think today was a great example of that. And I think that's something that, that all Flyers fans will want to rally around. That's fantastic. Now, you did mention 18, 19 years with the Flyers organization. I, I, I'm just curious. I'd like to get your personal perspective on it as to how things have changed over the last two decades. You, you, you've you obviously been on the inside there. You know, you have a very unique perspective on it. Like, how is how has certain things changed over the last 20 years? Well, I think a, a lot of things have changed, even if you just look like a technology. And if I told you the way I did my job in 2003 is completely different than the way I do my job today. <laughs> um, but I think the one thing that's consistent is um, that we're, we operate as a team here and it's, we look at things the, the same way in terms of making sure it's everything is always fan first. And I think that's really important for, for fans to know is that's, that's how we, that's how we think about everything through the lens of the fan first and, and build things from there. So that's been consistent, but like, like I said, a lot of other things have changed and grown in a, way in, in a really good way. <laughs> so you mentioned fan first. Now uh, I, I'm just curious. I want to ask, cause I believe uh, you're in charge of fan experience or play a managing role in that as well too. Yes. So I'm actually super curious. How did Gritty come about? Gritty came about, actually, um, one of our former executives was at an all-star game. And there was, I think it was some sort of on-ice activity with all the mascots in the league, and we didn't have one. And his son was asking where ours was, and that sort of was sort of the, the seed, right? So it's something we had talked about, and when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, actually, and the team came back in town and every other team had a mascot there to, to welcome the team back. And, and we didn't, we didn't have one. And we didn't want to miss out on moments like that anymore where we could be present and be part of um, a lot of different community things and things that were important to the city. So that sort of sealed the deal in terms of um, deciding to move forward. And it was a whirlwind now to look to look back on it. And it's certainly the launch of Gritty went nothing like we expected, as that story has been told many times. Um, we expected some backlash at first, which they told us to, to expect. And what we didn't expect was when the backlash, backlash came from outside of the city. Well, then Philadelphia did what Philadelphians do and rallied, right? And in literally 24 hours, he became <laughs> a, a star. <laughs> so in so many words, he, his popularity and the way people embraced him so quickly was like nothing any of the experts told us to expect. So here we are now a few years later, and I think he's still probably the, the most unique one-of-a-kind mascot in sports. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Absolutely. He, he had a media, he had a very uh, meteoric rise. Uh, it was very quick and, and he became, like you said, there was a little bit of backlash initially, but it almost flipped the script and he became like a bit of a, a, a cult icon. And I, I personally think it's really good because I, I always felt like uh, flyers and hockey in general has a hard time bringing new fans into the game. It seems like it's always an older fan base, uh, an aging fan base. Um, but I think Gritty does a great job making it very family-oriented, bringing in uh, younger kids, uh, bring them, introduce them to hockey. I think that's a great thing. Is there anything else as far as, uh, you know, bringing in new fans, younger fans, not even necessarily from the children level, but even like the high school or college level that uh, the Flyers organization is doing or trying to reach out to right now? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a lot of what we're doing at Flyers Charities, right, to get to younger fans, get people interested in hockey. We have a community relations department that is focused on on youth hockey and <clears throat> focused on a lot of those same things. So it's that's really important to us, too. And, and that's you're exactly right. That's what what Gritty was really designed to do. Right. That was the creation of Gritty was to to really appeal to a new fan base, get new fans in the fold and um, create that next generation of Flyers fan. Popular. Sorry about that. Same <laughs> day, so it's been oh, a yeah. long day. We're trying to wrap up and and continue that fundraising. <laughs> Sorry that's about it. that. No, no, it's all good. Uh, Jim, you got anything else for Cindy? No, that's it. I guess uh, the old cliche question was, uh, you know, were you Flyers fan growing up and? You know, uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Who got you into the game of hockey and you know, how did you wind up uh, where you are today? Yeah, I, I was. I mean, I think you can't be a Philadelphian and not not be a, a supporter, right? Um, but I to, to get here, I, I actually interned here. And um, my internship became 23 years later. <laughs> awesome. So um, a lot of hard work, a lot of opportunity, being part of a great company all sort of were ingredients to making that happen outstanding well apparently you're very good at your job so congratulations <laughs> i try <laughs> uh cindy thank you so much for hanging out with us we really appreciate it thank you for your time uh go ahead and get back to uh you know taking care of flyers charities you know helping out everybody thank you so much guys <laughs> have a Thanks, good one cindy. Talk to all you. right you too nice yeah, I think uh, that, that was a lot of information right there. That, that, that was, uh, you know, that probably one of the most concise interviews we had, but she was definitely a great guest that put a lot of stuff out there. Yeah, you know, very quick to the point, um, informative, uh, different from guests that we've had on in the past. And I like that, to tell you the truth. You know, it's, uh, you can only really talk so much, you know, hockey. Um, but when you get a chance to talk to somebody within the organization that's still around the game, just contributing in different ways. I think it was uh, very cool. I learned a lot and uh, great. Another great get by you. <laughs> Thanks, man. A lot, lot of emails these days. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. She, she was great. I appreciate everybody that uh, helped set that up. Uh, Sean Coyne, Megan Flanagan, they helped do all the coordination. It was, it was a great get. It was awesome. She, she was a great interview and uh, probably a lot of stuff that I don't think everybody hears about. You know, sometimes you don't hear about the things that organizations do outside of hockey, you know. When we're talking just hockey ops, you know, you're talk, talking trades, signings, how players are performing.
But, you know, these organizations are also stable to community. They, you know, they, they do a lot outside of, uh, you know, just the sports aspect of it. So, and the Flyers have such a rich history of it. So I, I think it was great having her on. She really, you know, and, you know, shed a light on a lot of things that the organization does. And uh, a lot of positive news. Like I said, it's been a rough season. Let's talk about some good news every now and then, especially after a win. So it's great to get a win. Yeah, double dose today, huh? Yeah. Uh, it feels good. You get the, you know, it feels different leaving here after a win. I got to tell you the truth. Uh, I hope to experience them more often, but uh, feels good to be talking about a win. Feels good to be talking about positive things with the uh, with the Ed Snyder's charities and uh, the Ed Snyder Hockey Youth Hockey Foundation. So yeah, a lot of a lot of good stuff today. And uh, as far as play on the ice, maybe this is something the Flyers can build on. They take on Edmonton Tuesday. They beat them earlier in the season, right? Maybe a little bit of a different Flyers team then. Uh, certainly a different Edmonton, Edmonton team. Now, both teams, believe it or not, have fired their head coaches. I don't know who could have seen that coming, right? Uh, you think a couple years back when uh, Flyers hired Vigneault, Oilers hired Tippett, and now neither of them are here. It's kind of crazy how things went for both teams. But, you know, Tuesday night, two of the best players in the world come into the uh, Wells Fargo Center. I was going to call it the Wachovia Center. And Leon Dreisaitl and... Connor McDavid. It'll be at least fun for fans to, to see those two. And maybe the Flyers come away with two points again. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be amazing. And uh, the only downside to, to the win today, I think, is actually the fact that now we're going to get a bunch of negativity about how the Flyers are going to be picking 15th overall instead of tanking for a top five pick. But this fan base is never satisfied. So Never. Never. <laughs> That's why I say just win games. Yeah, they're, they're mad about a losing streak to get a win. Well, great, great. Now we're picking 15th overall. We're not Great, great. Now we're in mediocrity the rest of the way. <laughs> right. Yeah, just friggin' win. Screw everybody. Just just win games. And then when the draft comes, draft a good player. You know, crazy concept. But uh, Edmonton's a good parallel right now, actually, because the, the people that want to tank and get all those picks, right, from 2010 through 2015, that's that six drafts. Edmonton picked four times number one overall, and all six of those draft picks were in the top ten. But they didn't get it right until the last two. 14 was Drysidle, number three overall, and 15 was McDavid, number one overall. Darnell Nurse was right before that. He's a solid player. I don't know if he moves the needle that much for it, you know, really. But the that franchise was built with those two picks, Drysidle, McDavid. That's where they found their success. So if you want to tank for seven years for the chance to get two players, like that's what we're looking at. Like it's like, uh, you know, at least they get to watch fun hockey, but I don't think Edmonton's ever going to see a Stanley Cup. They can't, af- they can't afford a goalie. They can't afford defense. You know what I mean? It's like the same stuff that Toronto goes through. You really have Tavares, Matthews, Marner, Nylander. They can't, af- you know, it's when it comes to requiring a, a good player, it's very tough for them to do. Uh, not that the Flyers are any better off right now or anything, but, you know, it's uh, – just too much of a, a risk for me to we saw it already we saw it already with Hextall you know um, that's all I don't know what else to say about that but hey if if uh, this is why I'm rooting for wins just win because even if they lose people are going to be upset and by the way this is going to piss the tank guys off a little bit more Montreal and Arizona are both winning right now. So the Flyers had a chance to slip 
a little further, or look, at least a little closer. And just to spite everybody, they won tonight. So good for the Flyers. <laughs> oh, man. It's so great. For me, it's always an attitude and a culture thing, though. Like, you can't let that kind of losing culture and attitude set in. That's how you end up as a cellar dweller for 20 years. That's how you end up like the Cleveland Browns or the Detroit Lions of the NHL. You know what I mean? That, that, that's how you end up like those teams. And losing becomes acceptable. It, it just seeps into the walls. It's there all the time. It's just nobody's mad about it. Hey, guys don't want to play here uh, when you lose. Like, we're still we're still recovering from losing. I mean, the Flyers – this is going to sound nuts. The Flyers didn't finish under 500 any of the years that Hextall was here or Hextall was here. They had a shit ton of uh, – sorry for cursing. They had a, a lot of overtime and shootout losses – um, and if you factor them, yeah, they were under 500. But when you lose the way that they were losing, it turns good players off. Why would good players want to come to Philly unless you're going to overpay for them, Kevin Hayes? You know what I mean? <laughs> so that's what losing does. Nobody wants to go to a losing team in a cold city where their income is still getting taxed out the ass. They, would, they could go play in Florida just as easily. Nice weather. You know, their money's not going to get taxed. Uh, there has to be incentive to play in a city like Philadelphia now. Beautiful city. I love Philadelphia. But uh, you're not going to attract good players if you lose on purpose. I think it sends the wrong message to the kind of player that we should want in Philadelphia, if that makes sense. So I've said it many times. The only way that the Flyers are going to go out and get talent we'll see with Johnny Gaudreau is by trade. We saw it last year, right? They made three huge trades. They went in and acquired talent in order to change the locker room. Do you know what I mean? And to me, that laid the base. Whether Ristolainen sticks around or not remains to be seen. I, I don't think so. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to his press conference. I loved him. He was cracking me up. Um, he and Atkinson both said that that's the way the game should be played. It should be played physical, right? Because you know what that does. And this is for a lot of the guys who, you know, don't really like the physical, the physicality, the physical play, maybe the style of play that Mr. Linen brings. And there's an argument there. I understand it. But when you play the game that way, it not just does it, – it doesn't just get you into the game, but it now ropes your teammates into the game. Like, oh, my God, he's laying his body on the line. Psychologically, it changes your mindset. If you weren't ready to play that day – you have no choice now. It's roping these guys into the game, and you saw it. It spread throughout the team today. Guys were throwing their bodies around. A lot of players ended up on the ice. It was a fun game to watch. It was a hard-fought game. Flyers won. Maybe they need to play that way more often. Maybe this. Uh, maybe they need to. You know, when when you when you become engaged physically into a game, you then become engaged mentally, or else you're going to get your clock cleaned. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's infectious is what I'm saying. Yeah, and it works. It has the adverse effect on the opposition. When you're beating them up and they know every time they're going to a corner or they're going along the boards, they're going to take a shot. They're take, even if it's not a huge blow, but if they know you're, they're going to hit every time, it's like take it's like a boxer taking a body blow over and over and over again. Like It makes exactly. you not want to fight. It, it starts getting to you. So when you play that way, when you keep wearing teams down like that, like like that's how you can win. You know what I mean, you mentioned earlier about how like there's no excuse not to be outworked. There's no excuse to be out physical either. 
you should be the most physical team out there. You know what I mean? If you don't yeah. have a McDavid and a dry settle, a Matthews and a Marner, Crosby and a Malkin, Kane and a T- if you don't have those guys where you can just rely on this finesse, you should be beating teams up every time. Get in their head, make make them doubt their own confidence, make everything hurt. Every single thing, every inch they earn, it, it should hurt every single right. time. And that's what you saw tonight. They were playing defense kind of higher up in the zone, too. They weren't just letting teams kind of waltz in. Um, but, yeah, I mean, face it, people don't like to be hit, right? Whether it's yeah. because it hurts, number one, or because it's, it's, it's irritating, right? Every time I cross this blue line, this SOB is, is you know, ribbing me or he's, he's putting his body on me. And so, it's irritating. So it throws you off your game mentally, number one. And number two, it, it freaking hurts sometimes. Like sometimes people get you in the and just in the perfect spot. Ask Morgan Frost, um, and and it freaking hurts. So it's like, well, you know, the next time I'm coming down the wall like that, I'm gonna have my head on a swivel. And he's not focused on the play like he would be if he wasn't worried about getting hit. Like this is the part of the game that I think a lot of people don't think about is the psychology, and, and you know, I think we talked about it. Early on in the season, Mertidis, I, I believe, had Jason Mertidis had Ristolainen on his show, and they talked about how, you know, the the fear factor doesn't show up in stats, right? But if I'm skating down the ice, like a Tom Tom Wilson provides the fear factor because you never know what the hell he's going to do while he's out on the ice, so you're focused on what you have to do, but at the same time, you're like, where is this this maniac? You know what I mean? And if you're focused on two things, you're you're not going to be focused the way you should be on putting the puck in the back of the net or, you know, chipping the puck in and dumping and chasing, whatever it is, if it makes sense. No, absolutely. And there's a few things there to unpack. The first thing is, is that I don't think the analytics crowd appreciates that. They will show you a chart every day of the week how Rasmus Ristolainen doesn't help this team. But it doesn't factor into any of the mental aspect, the mental edge, the intimidation factor, the fear factor that comes into play there. Chris Terrian had a tweet out earlier today talking about how the, the Broad Street Bullies beat up on the old Soviet Union team. Beat them up, and literally they didn't want to come back out and play the game, right? And, and people are playing like, oh, well, you know, that couldn't happen in today's day and age. No, maybe not. Maybe it is a different game, but the fact there's an intimidation factor no matter what. No matter what game, what day and age it is, there's an intimidation factor. If you're going to beat somebody up at some point, it gets in their head. It messes with them mentally. That's absolutely something you should have to deal with. Right. right? And then you mentioned Tom Wilson. Right? I think the McEwen fight played a huge role in this game. Because Tom Wilson is used to running all over people. Like you said, he's a maniac out there. And unfortunately for the rest of the league, he's a pretty good forward. Like, he's a skilled forward. Like, he's not just an old-school goon out there. The guy knows how to play offense, too. Like you said, when he's out there, he has no problem wreaking havoc on anybody, anywhere. And McEwen made a point to go after him early. He was like, listen, I'm here. I'm going to stand up to you. Win, lose, or draw, I'm coming for you. Right? And it got in his head. Because then he went down later, and he was he was talking shit to Farabee. And Farabee's like, what? Like, it, it was – we got in Tom Wilson's head early in that game. It was the McEwen fight, and that played a role in that top line not producing. I agree. Uh, it's hard to argue that. It's uh, Wilson looked. I'm not saying it was. Wilson looked different after that fight. In the first, maybe I don't know. Maybe he was amped up. His first couple shifts, though, he was kind of 
he was running around in the in the offensive zone, Flyers defensive zone, you know, just you know, pummeling guys into the boards and whatnot, finishing checks like he should be. After that, though, he was he he played more of a, like a villain kind of role, and I don't know if it was the fight that kind of pissed him off, um, but he wasn't so much focused on finishing checks. He wasn't so much focused on getting in on the four check. He was more concerned with, you know, how can I draw a penalty on Joel Farabee or, you know, if I dive here or if I give him an extra shot here. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was thrown off his game. He was now playing a game inside the game and he was thrown off. His, he had new objectives and they weren't to score. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, so that kind of stuff uh, matters because it like I keep saying, when you go into a game, you go in focused on your goal. There are some players, you can say Travis Konechny is like that, um, or you could say uh, like a R- Rasmus Ristolainen is like that. Um, you know, they'll get in your head or they'll do something that you don't like, and all of a sudden you're not focused on scoring, you're focused on kicking Travis Konechny's ass, you know, which is what you want. You don't want this guy to be scoring goals. Yeah, no, eat. He- I think that fight absolutely put Tom Wilson on tilt. He was on tilt the rest of that game. It knocked him completely off because he's used to be the bully. They thought they were going to come in here and run over the flyers. And McEwen just decided no. And, and that's the stuff that can't get measured in a chart. Like, you can't right. put a chart up going, hey, listen, look, if you look right here, this fight right here got in Tom Wilson's head over here and it made him do yeah. this. Over here. You can't measure that shit. So, I mean, look, and, and let me be clear. I'm a numbers guy. If anybody reads any of my fantasy articles or any of my video, I follow the numbers. So, I, I, I'm not saying these stats are useless, but there's some things that are left out. And when you just put a chart up there and go, hey, listen, this is what's works right here. It's not always right. You don't get the full picture right there. So, like I said, it doesn't. It's not going to show up on a score sheet, other than the fact that he had a five-minute major, and I think he got two for instigating for that one too. So all that looks negative right there. Oh, he didn't help the team. Seven penalty minutes, all that stuff. That fight right there played a major role. It put Wilson on tilt, and it absolutely played a role in the Flyers getting the win tonight. Yeah, I agree. Well said, and uh, they should do it more often. <laughs> you yeah. know. Listen, I'm not saying we should hand McEwen, you know, a six-year, $6 million contract. Let, let me make it clear, all right? Like, like, I'm not saying this guy's, you know, going to be a huge foundation piece, but you need players like that. You know what I mean? Back during the 2010 run and in those years when we were making the playoffs and the conference semifinals in, in the 2010s and late 2000s, we had players like Blair Betts, who was a face-off wizard and averaged over two and a half minutes a game of penalty killing time. He was one of the leaders in block shots. I, none of that stuff show, naturally shows up in the score sheet. It makes you look good on the analytics end. But that stuff you need. Daryl Powell, that guy was a hardworking guy, huge penalty killer. Look, I'm not saying these guys should get paid $6 million a year, $7 million a year. But you need players like that. McEwen can be a guy like that. They are, they, they are fundamental to building good teams. Yeah, they have roles. Not every Right. Not everybody – not every player is meant to go out and score 20 goals a season. You know, some are meant to go out and disrupt. They're meant to separate players from pucks. And if they happen to score five, six times a year, that's a bonus. You know, so you you, don't get me wrong, because you need some production from your third and fourth lines. But their primary goal sometimes is just, hey, every shift, we just need you to give the top two lines a break. Cycle the puck for 30 to 45 seconds in the offensive zone. You know what I mean? 
Hey, and if you happen to get a scoring chance, put the puck in the back of the net. That's bonus. Otherwise, just go out there and don't don't give up a goal. You know what I'm saying? In in so many words, because I don't I don't mean to make that sound like a negative thing. Don't give up a goal, but spend time in the offensive zone, cycle the puck, and and get another line out there. I think the positive way to phrase that is make life miserable for the other team. We don't need you to score a goal, but go out there and make life miserable for them. Whatever it takes to do it, make life miserable. Whether it's hitting them a bunch, whether it's getting a fight, blocking shots, dumping chase. A a 45-second, minute-long shift where you dump the puck down there three times and make that team go the whole length of the ice – Every single time, like that plays a role in that. That that's a fatigue factor. Like, you're making them earn it every time. Like there's certain things you can do, play a role to contribute to this team. Like I said, it doesn't necessarily show up on a stat sheet. I agree for sure, hundred percent. <laughs> we're just going to see how long we can go with the silence. Yeah, I was like, I'm not who's, I'm not who's going up next to so bring up the next one. I feel like <laughs> nah, that's it, man. I was just like, all right, take the sip. You earned it. But I feel like, uh, you know, we're coming to the end here. They're, uh, here, I'll show you what's happening here. There's three people left up here, and they're putting the, the mat down for the Wings game. Oh, nice. Yeah, so maybe I got round two coming up. No, I'm just kidding. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> No, well, Jim, if you got nothing else, man, you know, floor is yours. What do you got? Uh, that's it. So we had the Front Range Hockey Podcast on earlier in the week. We talked to uh, Scott McDonald and CC Hawkley. They kind of uh, they provided some information on the Avalanche prospects and, uh, you know, what could potentially come back uh, or what Flyers fans could uh, uh, expect in some prospects coming back and a little bit of information and knowledge. So if a trade does go down and we get – uh, a guy like Hellison, we at least know what to expect or, or what we're getting in Hellison. So this way, everyone's not, oh, my God, why did we get this guy? Well, listen to the high and wide show and you'll know he's a good player. Uh, other than that, do we have anything coming up on high and wide next week? If we do, not yet. I know we got a lot of a lot of big stuff coming up on this show. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, HW night. We got uh, Zach Kinderchuk coming on. The uh, oh. man behind my dad used to play hockey podcast. He'll be joining us March 1st after the Oilers game. The newest member of the High and Wide family will be hanging out. Um, Stephanie Hicks from Philly Sports Network. Um, the legend of Steph on Twitter will be hanging out after the March 3rd game against the Wild. Um, a few more things will be in the works. We've got some special guests coming up in March. It'll be a good time. The rest of the announcements will be coming out on Twitter. But, no, we have big things coming up in the show. I want to thank everybody. This is the last show in February, the first month that we launched HW at Night. Thank you for hanging out, checking it out. Thank you for all the guests that came on. Uh, Tony Bruno, Bill Meltzer, Lauren Hart. Uh, it's Megan Ryan from the Carolina Hurricanes. Sydney Stuttman today. Hopey from the Paw Street Bullies. We had a great time. I really appreciate everybody helping out, making this launch of this show, HW at night, go off full force. For uh, for Jim Michael Bone, I'm Delco Dave. Everybody enjoy the rest of your day.